Well, as you know, I've been kind of staying away from the news-ish, at least, um, more lately than in the history of this podcast, I guess. But that's because it's largely a distraction. It's not covering, in my opinion, the things that would be much more important to you if you knew that they were actually occurring. But there's too many things today and over the last couple of days, too many important things going on to stay away from the news, at least for this show. Now, you may have heard about the PayPal thing. Yes, PayPal changed its terms of service to allow them to fine you $2,500 uh basically if you align yourself with a narrative that doesn't agree with PayPal now it's unclear if they could take this fine this $2500 fine directly out of your bank account or if it would have to be pulled from funds that you you know keep specifically in your PayPal account But many people thought that was a problem. And one of the reasons I held off on reporting is I I wanted to know the damage. I wanted to know how far the PayPal stock had fallen and how many accounts they had lost before getting into it. Because really, that's the end of the story. Yes, PayPal... created this insane policy, put it in their in their new terms of service that they're going to take $2,500 away from you for each offense, each time you spread misinformation, each time, I mean, it's completely, completely insane. And ex-CEOs are on the record saying the, the same thing. So naturally, thousands of people canceled their accounts And their stock price fell 4%. Let's see if we can get a dollar amount here from uh, Business Insider. PayPal stock fell 6% on Monday following the company's botched acceptable use policy. That's weird. I know I just told you 4% because that was in like the little, little subtext on the search result. PayPal stock fell as much as 6% on Monday after the company botched the rollout of an acceptable use policy update that included big fines for the promotion of misinformation. The new acceptable use policy expanded the company's list of prohibited activities on its platform to include the sending, posting, or publication of any messages, content, or materials that promote misinformation. So, of course, you must ask, who gets to decide what misinformation is? And I would argue it's probably the scariest person that's threatening PayPal at the time. And who would that be? China, Saudi Arabia, Russia, the American government itself. But as soon as word got out, they changed their tune. 
From the article, PayPal immediately rolled back its policy update to exclude the new misinformation policy. The company told media outlets, quote, PayPal is not finding people for misinformation and the language was never intended to be inserted into our policy. Huh. Yet it was somehow inserted into your policy. And if no one, see, that's, that's the big question. If no one blew the whistle on it, would you ever know? Would you ever know until it was an implemented policy and, and PayPal was effectively robbing you of $2,500 for exercising your freedom of speech? We have to get rid of these companies that want to trample our constitutional freedoms and the politicians as well. I know the U.S. is not the biggest market in the world. But we have to stand for something more than wealth and power. These international corporations are whores to the most specific definition. Maybe even worse than whores. Because whores probably have a longer list of things that they wouldn't do to make a dollar. Evidently, PayPal has no values. And who was it that talked him into it? This article from truthpress.com headline PayPal responds after losing thousands of accounts. Not surprisingly, the news of this policy was met with significant consternation and pushback. I'm just starting partway in because we already prefaced the information. No definite numbers. We'll probably never see definite numbers. But I tell you, the number of accounts that they lost immediately was enough to get them to change course. And it makes me proud. Because you stepped up and spoke out. So I don't have to cancel my PayPal account. But maybe I still should. I mean, I canceled my Netflix account. I canceled my Amazon Prime account. I won't buy a Ford truck or any kind of Ford product. This is one of the big reasons that having an honest media is so important because if we don't have good information, then we can't fight back economically against these scumbag whore corporations. We had a whistleblower and some investigative journalists tell us what PayPal was up to. 
We took our money away from them and they said, oh, okay, hold on a minute. You caught us. I don't know. Maybe my PayPal has to go. I got to think about it. I mean, PayPal is willing to cancel. I mean, not cancel. PayPal is willing to fine you $2,500. I mean, that's that's more. I, I wonder where that ranks. In 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 the monthly income of most PayPal users. It wasn't that long ago that twenty five hundred bucks a month was my entire or twenty five hundred dollars was my entire salary for the month. And they would take that away from me. Just by claiming that something that I said online or on this podcast was misinformation. Which brings me to this article by Just the News. Headline, seven times disinformation turned out to be just the opposite. Number one, the uh, obvious Hunter Biden's laptop. In October 2020, the New York Post obtained emails from a laptop that President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, had abandoned at a repair shop in Delaware. Shortly after the story was published, Facebook's policy communications director boasted the social media giant was, quote, reducing its distribution on our platform. He added the report would be scrutinized by third-party fact-checkers to reduce the spread of information. Twitter quickly followed Facebook's lead, blocking users from posting or reading the story. The company even locked the post's primary Twitter account, apparently because of the lack of authoritative reporting on the origins of the materials included in the article. Prominent mainstream media outlets either ignored the Hunter Biden story or cast doubt on its authenticity, along with the 51 former intelligence officials who signed a public letter they call the laptop Russian disinformation. Is is that going to get you, would that get you fined $2,500? And then what happens three months later when the misinformation that you were fined for turns out to be true? Hmm? Number two, the origins of COVID-19. Experts, lawmakers, and journalists roundly dismissed the theory that COVID-19 leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China. Attacking those who gave the idea credence as bigots. New York Times reporter Apoorva Mandavili, for example, tweeted the lab leak theory had racist roots. Of course, of course she did. I'd like to know how much foreign money is influencing these people to say things like this. I mean, we know that being paid to share a tweet or tweet out a link to a website can be very lucrative for media personalities that have large social media followings. So why wouldn't a foreign government like, oh, say China, for example, pay media personalities Or big superstars like, oh, I don't know, LeBron James, for example, to spout Chinese communist propaganda 
on social media as if it were fact. Third point of disinformation that turned out to be true. COVID-19 vaccines as a panacea. When the COVID-19 vaccines were first made available, they were billed by the media and public health professionals as mechanisms to limit transmission of the virus and ultimately end the pandemic. I was watching videos early this morning of Anthony Fauci talking about how the vaccine limits transmission. That is another item to get into if we have time. Now that turns out to not be true. As Pfizer has admitted, it hasn't even conducted a study on the vaccine limiting transmission, at least not before it was made widely available and mandated by several governments. Fourth point of disinformation that turned out to be true, Pelosi's January 6th role in calling in the National Guard. Journalists, Democrats in Congress, and others have lambasted defenses of former President Trump's efforts to prepare for unrest ahead of the January 6th Capitol riot, as well as criticisms of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's handling of that fateful day as, quote, lies, counter-narratives, conspiracy theories, and disinformation spread by Republicans and Trump supporters. However, Just the News reported FBI intelligence warning that January 6th protesters might violently storm the Capitol was emailed the night before the riot to a top aide to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, but was never sent to frontline police commanders and officers. The report came after new revelation revelations showed the Pentagon first raised the possibility of sending National Guard troops to the Capitol four days before the January 6th riot, validating former Trump administration officials' long-held claims about their efforts to provide extra security. The Capitol Police rejected the offer of troops, according to government documents. Soon after, however, then-Chief Stephen Sund decided he wanted the troops after all, but was turned down by the House Sergeant-at-Arms, who reports to Pelosi. Meanwhile, Trump had signed an order on January 4th to deploy 20,000 guardsmen to prevent any violence if requested by Congress, if, 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 (laughs) if requested by Congress, which turned down the request. Hmm. You didn't hear about that, did you? Number five, the mistreatment of January 6th defendants. The same voices dismissing the January 6th counter-narrative have also dismissed those raising concerns that January 6th defendants have been targeted and mistreated for political reasons. The Justice Department has arrested nearly 900 people for charges related to January 6th, imprisoning most without a trial. Several have said the FBI, Justice Department, and federal prison officials under the Biden administration violated their civil and constitutional rights. The vast majority weren't accused of carrying a weapon, assaulting law enforcement, or destroying property. Many didn't even enter the Capitol building. Yes, like Brandon Strzok. Who just stood in place, filmed a video.
and was drug out of his bed and in prison for three days for doing literally nothing. Number six, irregularities in the 2020 election. Big Tech and the Biden administration have infamously suppressed and castigated claims of irregularities in the 2020 presidential election. For example, whistleblower documents recently released by Republican Senators Josh Hawley and Chuck Grassley showed government officials writing that disinformation threatens homeland security, especially, quote, conspiracy theories about the validity and security of elections and disinformation related to the origins and effects of COVID-19 vaccines or the efficacy of masks. In February, the Department of Homeland Security put out a National Terrorism Advisory Bulletin discussing how conspiracy theories, misleading narratives, and, quote, other forms of mis-, dis-, and malinformation can fuel foreign and domestic terrorism. It cited, quote, false or misleading, misleading narratives regarding unsubstantiated widespread election fraud and COVID-19 online as key factors contributing to the current heightened threat environment. Nonetheless, Just the News has reported on numerous examples of confirmed illegalities and irregularities in the 2020 election. And why did nothing come from that? Because the Justice Department did not see fit to conduct an investigation. And why? Well, because their new bosses were the same ones that cheated the election to begin with, allegedly. Number seven, critical race theory in schools. CRT argues racism is entrenched in all systems of American society and all disparities between the races indicate racial discrimination. The media and proponents of CRT have argued its critics are pushing misinformation, portraying the theory as being more prevalent than it, acts, than it actually is. Yeah, remember that? Oh no, critical race theory isn't a thing. It's, it's just a small subcategory of education in law school. Last year, for example, Nina Jankowitz, remember the minister of misinformation, <laughs> referred to opponents of CRT as, quote, disinformers, accusing them of peddling disinformation to stoke anger and make money off the uproar. So PayPal was apparently really looking forward to capitalizing on this misinformation, and they got caught. They got caught. You spoke up. You closed your PayPal account, and they changed course. Because they decided it wasn't worth taking the money from whomever suggested this be a good idea. They decided they wanted your money instead. And I, I guess good on them. I don't know. I'm on the fence about how I want to respond to that. I feel like they shouldn't be allowed to do business in the United States anymore. That's how I really feel. I feel like if you're going to try to sneak this kind of garbage into your terms of service, you're done. Maybe that's authoritarian and anti-capitalist, but I mean, what's the right direction? How do we, how do we, how do we function? How do we function as a free democracy with politicians that want to steal elections allegedly and, and companies that want to steal our money? What, what option do we have left? 
continue to let a media operate in our country that just poisons the minds of all of its citizens? Continue to let corporations operate in this country that take money from foreign governments in exchange for suppressing our rights as free citizens in America? I mean, what do you, what do you call this that I'm proposing? Fascism? No, it's not fascism. Fascism is what we're living through. And how long have we been how long have we been living in fascism while the while the mainstream media tells us that we have democracy? Send me an email, tell me. The real earthbox at protonmail.com. Thank you all very much for listening. Please share the show, rate and review, and uh, I'll be back. Goodbye. <laughs>